0: Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Hello and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, and I'm joined by Kathleen Quinn Vota, CEO of Talent Trust, a strategic recruiting and human capital consulting firm. She's also the author of Dare to Care in the Workplace, a guide to the new way we work. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this discussion today. Me too. So
0: I brought you on today for your expertise just regarding how New York City, starting May f- 15th will be requiring companies to put salary ranges on their job ads. So just to start off, what do you think this means for employers?
1: I think it's great news. I really do. I I believe in full transparency and in your life, uh, you know, your personal life and your work life. So why not just put it out there, right? Um, There's nothing to lose by doing so. And it helps empower the employees and the employers to kind of remove that awkward conversation of how are you going to value me? Because compensation truly is about how you value me. It's not about dollars and cents. It's how am I valued as a human for my skills, both technical and behavioral. So it kind of just removes that. And it's not just New York. I mean, everybody's getting on the bandwagon. Lots of people are I think California started the movement. Yes. Took a little bit to make its way over to New York.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Slow and steady wins the race, right?
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: So I know you said that there are virtually no drawbacks to having pay transparency, but for employers that are on the edge or unsure of how to institute that kind of visibility, what would you say are the pros and cons?
1: So it's, you know, if you don't have any kind of structure around it, it's going to be tricky. So it's going to require employers to have processes and systems around what they pay for certain positions. Because the smaller the company, they tend to wing it. It's not what they want to pay. It's what they can afford, right? So that is a difference. So the smaller the entity, many uh, business-to-consumer organizations like flower shops or beverage stores or, you know, CVSs, they're more kind of the minimum wage-esque, right? But then you have private stores who might decide, "Hey, twenty dollars an hour is great for me," and because of their value system. So what it's going to do is require smaller organizations to get processes and systems and definition about what they pay and why they pay certain positions. For people who are non-process people, that's going to drive them berserk. <laughs> You know, so they just wing it for process, wait for winging people. That's going to be hard. So I see that as a hardship. I also, it's hard for people to talk about money. Have you noticed? Yeah, definitely. They get tied up in a pretzel when everybody talks about money. So it's going to require education, but it's okay to talk about money in the interview, you know, in the application process. Um, and it's going to be learning on both sides, employer and employee, and on how to communicate I have a book that I really love called Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott, kind of confronting reality that we nobody likes to talk about money. And then now all of a sudden we're talking about money all the time, inflation, gas prices, your money, my money, the government's money. I mean, it's just uncomfortable for people. So I think it'll break down barriers, but processes and systems are going to be required. I don't care how small the company is. They have to do it. And larger companies hopefully will get a little less rigid about how they do things.
0: When you were talking about how everyone is generally uncomfortable when discussing the topic of money, I've seen recently that we've been trending towards being more open about it, especially because one of the main factors for people leaving their jobs during the Great Resignation and over the past two years from COVID beyond safety is because they need something that will bring home more money for them to be able to live within their means or more comfortably. So in that regard, do you think pay transparency is going to become a trend? Do you think it's going to be adopted by more states or more businesses?
1: I think it has to. I really, really do. I think it absolutely has to because the more transparent you can be, you're building trust with the applicant population. So people go through, um, say a company has a job opening. There's this whole population of people out there who are applicants. Think of them as the universe, right? Anybody in the 7.5 million people out there who wanna get a job. So that's the universe. Then you have the second tier, those people who might actually be candidates for the position that you are looking for. So a doctor might not look to work in a Starbucks. I'm giving you extremes. A musician might not look to work in a hospital setting. So you narrow the frame, even though they're an applicant, they're looking for employment, doesn't mean they're the right candidate for you. So the pay transparency will help applicants see themselves in the position or not. Um, It also could have a limiting factor where what if I have a bigger range? So this is one of the kind of hiccups I could see. So say you're the employer and I don't see myself in this particular range, but you're willing to go beyond the range, but you didn't go a dollar higher or a dollar lower, I might self-select out and not be the applicant. It could have, as we've seen in the last 26 months, unintended consequences. So I think pay transparency on the surface is really good, but what we don't know yet is the unintended consequences of this decision. So if I say I'm willing to pay you 20 to 25, but you're like, ah, I really want 26. Well, I don't know what you're thinking, as the employer. I don't know if you would be willing to go to 26 for the right person, the right comp, behavioral and technical competencies. And therefore I select out of even applying and becoming a candidate because with that pay transparency, you have said to me, you're not my absolute fit. You know, a lot of things, we're trying to thread the needle a little bit too much. And so it doesn't allow for that human interaction.
0: We need a little bit of a uh, a bubble zone.
1: Yeah, a bubble zone is a great way to put it. Yes.
0: So do you think employers that have a very specific pay range or no pay range at all, do you think that's going to deter candidates or do you think candidates will actively seek out companies that have a broader pay range?
1: I think broader is better because it's more it's casting a wider net. However, you know, you might get candidates who are less qualified and more qualified. So it puts more stress on the selection process. So pay is only one compensation. And I will tell you, it's only the sixth or seventh consideration of why people will work for an organization anyhow. So stressing any one thing isn't the right thing. You know, it's the community that you're building that makes a difference, not what you're willing to pay. Because I might work for you for 20% less because of the way you behave with me, the community that you've established, how kind you are, how considerate you are, what kind of other benefits you might have beyond cold, hard cash.
0: Yeah. Like you said, a wage isn't necessarily a monetary value. It's uh, how you're valued as an employee and as a person. So like you said, if your company has values that you align with, that might be the determining factor if you stay for less.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yes.
0: So you mentioned that money and and salary and wages is lower tier as far as people's priorities when looking at a job. So what other recruiting processes do you think kind of need a revamp in a similar way or even a different way from wage transparency?
1: Well, you're speaking to my heart. The most frustrating thing in the work that I've done for the last 30 years is there are great people out there, wonderful, amazing people to be employed. And there's great companies. They can't find each other. It is so frustrating. It's maddening. I'm sure you know somebody right now, Maddie, that is looking for a job and they are frustrated because they can't find one.
0: I know a lot of people like that, yeah.
1: Exactly. I know many people like that too, but I also know so many companies. I was in a meeting today. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I travel all over this great country as a keynote speaker and author and eight companies, 143 job openings. Holy cow. Wow. Wow. That's only eight companies. And tomorrow I meet with like 15 more companies. So there's this incredible gap between employer and employee where they can't find each other. So it's not just about pay that we have to close that gap. We've got to be more open. What I find with companies is that they tend to narrow their filters. Like, I would like a purple unicorn who can cook cordon bleu uh, and, you know, sing jazz at the same time.
0: Just hyper specific.
1: (laughs) And just kind of ridiculous requirements. I would like to hire somebody who can hit the ground ready to go. Right. Have you heard that before?
0: Yeah. You want to hire someone who could do the job.
1: Well, but hit the ground. What does hit the ground running? You're going to have to train someone because they don't know who you are and you don't know who they are. Nobody can hit the ground running. They don't know you yet. They don't know your customers. It's it's a myth in organizations. It's a myth. Also, in the selection process, another big myth is who people work for. Who do you think people work for, Maddie?
0: I'd say, like, ultimately, you're working for yourself because you're providing for yourself, but you're working with, like, your manager and your coworkers.
1: People work for their families and to have a good life. Right that's what they work for. It never was and never will be about the company. They're completely secondary. So if we in selection could get to, what do you really want? What's important to you? What's your must-haves? What's your nice-to-haves? Where are your non-negotiables? I value you as a human being and I want you to be happy. I'm not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do.
0: Yeah, because that's how people get burned out or leave their jobs six months after joining.
1: Absolutely. And the rate of burnout and mental health issues right now are staggering. I think the last stat I read was 44% of people who are employees have some kind of mental health professional or issue that they're working on. It's crazy.
0: Crazy. Yeah. It all adds up, especially after um, the craziness of COVID in the past two years and adapting to remote work or adapting to back-in-person work on top of everything that's going on in people's personal lives. Kind of on the topic of COVID-19, how do you think the pandemic and the ups and downs of the economy within that time period have affected people's attitudes toward pay transparency and that aspect of the recruiting process?
1: I think it has emboldened people. I think what happened was, you know, We're going to be shut down for two weeks. Here we are two two and a half, you know, 26 months later. There's still people like hunker down. They're scared. So what I think happened is two wage earner households, they realized how they wanted to spend their time. So depending on your compensation level, if you have other significant people in your life who share the load, if you have little people who you're responsible for, you know, children or, or elderly people who you're responsible for or pets. I mean, really, truly. I mean, people, pets are so important for people. You have other responsibilities. So what happened is employees started going, huh. So you're telling me I don't have to have a car. I don't have to spend money on gas. I don't have to spend expensive money at Starbucks or Chick-fil-A, which they didn't have to anyway either but they did but it was the
0: convenience of it not having time to make a meal at home potentially
1: exactly i save more money because i'm not going out to those things i don't have to buy new clothes oh gosh <laughs> think of the cost of clothing we're already going to business casual i feel like the whole pandemic has catapulted us into who cares i mean like I really do i've nobody
0: don't have tears in your jeans Kind of an attitude.
1: (laughs) Exactly, like nobody's going to see you from the waist down anyhow. Nobody, it doesn't matter. Everybody's attitude has changed. Employees and employers. A lot of employers, unfortunately, are digging in and want their employees to return to the office. And it is a control issue. Look at what just happened at Apple. One of their senior people has just resigned again because they're asking people to come back to the office three days a week. They don't want to do it. But then you have this whole population of healthcare workers, retail workers. You know, people who build stuff, they have to go in.
0: Yeah. And they've never had the option to stay at home for the most part.
1: And they were, you know, called essential workers, which that was dumb. Even too, everybody's essential who works. I mean, I, there's not non essential and essential workers. Who Anyhow, everybody's essential who has a job. They have a purpose. They have dignity. So employers are digging in and want people to come back. Employees are like, you know, I figured out how to do my life differently. And here's what I want to do with my life. And guess what? I'm in charge, not you. And I know I have choice. So if it doesn't work for you, I can go do it over there. People want flexibility and trust. And if you as an employer are not going to give it to them, guess what? They're going to go get it somewhere else. Because there's 11 million jobs open today and 7.5 million people available for those jobs. So be flexible and be a trusting, kind environment. That's what my book, Dare to Care in the Workplace, is all about. Create a community based on trust and empathy or you're going to lose.
0: Flexibility is becoming more and more important over the past couple of months, let alone years, in every aspect of work and every aspect of life, just being able to find compromise and communicate your needs.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's called adulting. (laughs) (laughs) It is. (laughs) I mean, you know, we tend to complicate the employer-employee relationship. You're an adult. I'm an adult. I hire adults and I'm an adult. So why can't we have an honest conversation about what you need, what I need? And let's see if we can compromise and come to a conclusion.
0: Yeah. Speaking of conclusions, I have one final question to ask you. And that's the question that I ask all of my guests since this podcast airs on Fridays. Do you have anything that you're really looking forward to this weekend?
1: Oh, yes, I actually am. That's a really great. There's two things. One, I am being sworn in to the board of directors for the Colorado National Speaking Association. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. I know. Isn't that fun? It's very fun. Yay. That's a business thing. It's very exciting. I've been working on my speaking career since 2016. So I feel very honored and humbled and hopefully I can pass something on lovely to other people. And then Maddie, directly after that, I'm going to get my hair done because my roots are showing. (laughs) And I've got to tell you, I'm equally excited about both of them.
0: You got to feel good and you got to look good. You've got the complete package this weekend.
1: Exactly, exactly. So thank you for understanding. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: I'm in the same boat. My hair's starting to get a little too long in the back, so I need to go in for a haircut, but I'm putting it off cuz I'm like I'm going to wait till it actually gets hot outside.
1: <laughs> good. Good, good, good. Thank you for taking the time with me.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for joining. This was a delightful conversation and I hope that your swearing in ceremony is phenomenal this weekend.
1: Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Maddie. Thanks for being with me and I appreciate the conversation very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for the conversation again.
0: Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.